Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Encouraging you to live as an ambassador of God's kingdom in the world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. just sprung forward for the second to the last time. This is uh, 316. If you missed our conversation about John 316 and the other 316s in the Bible, I would encourage you to go back and listen to the first hour of Mornings with Carmen on this 316 Gospel Advance Day. You can do that at MyFaithRadio.com. You can also do it on the Faith Radio app. It's great. Uh, I think that was a great hour to share with somebody else. If you've never shared an hour of the show with someone, let me suggest that today's first hour might be worthy of sharing. We also talked with Patrick Barrett, lives in Ireland, has a delightful Irish brogue, grew up in a donkey sanctuary and shared his own story of redemption, you know, where Jesus is the hero. So um, maybe that would be good to share in advance of St. Patrick's Day, giving you the opportunity to have a redemptive conversation with somebody um, who just needs to know that life is possible on the other side of whatever they're dealing with today. When I said we may have just sprung forward for the last time, probably the second to the last time, uh, that's because uh, Tuesday afternoon, the Senate, by unanimous consent, passed Senator Marco Rubio's Sunshine Protection Act, moving the United States one step closer to making daylight saving time Permanent. Permanent. There you go. Um, Arizona already doesn't observe daylight saving time. Um, and so Democratic Senator Kristen Cinema was presiding over the Senate when Marco Rubio made his request. And um, there you go. Apparently, no one objected to the motion. So we're going to probably see some conversation related to that. If you have thoughts, I would love to hear them. You can always text me, 877-933-2484. Things, uh, one more headline before we jump to our conversation with Bill English. This is, uh, this may go down uh, as like interest hike day, interest rate hike day. I don't know, not that today needed another name. Um, But the Federal Reserve is expected to raise interest rates by a quarter of a percentage point today. Their reasoning, raising the rate makes borrowing money, mortgages, car loans, credit card debt, uh, more expensive, which I'm not sure we need that right now since we're, um, uh, you know, suffering a, a horrible inflationary cycle. But that's kind of the point because it will drive down um, inflation because people will spend less. Everyone will spend less if they raise rates. That's the idea. So the inflation rate is now uh, at a 40-year high, 7.9%. And the annualized, on an annualized basis, the producer price index inflation rate is at a record high of 10%. So we're going to talk with Bill English about, you know, not only economics, but as we would like to say, home economics. What uh, do these inflationary pressures and then this rise in 
um, interest rates, you know, like what does it mean to us? What can we expect? And we're going to cover a range of other business headlines as well. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBerge, and this is Faith Radio. Bill English is back. You can find him at BibleAndBusiness.com. Bill, do you have a donkey? And if not, um, (laughs) I know. Okay, for all those questions I thought you would start with, that wasn't one of them. (laughs) Okay, so because I'm now having like jealousy of people who own donkeys because apparently they're so great. Yeah, yeah. We talked with Patrick Barrett who lives on a donkey sanctuary in Ireland because his name is Patrick and tomorrow is... You know, St. Patrick's Day and his book is amazing. His story of redemption is extraordinary. And it gave me a reason to talk about donkeys, which come to find out lots of people listening have donkeys. So now I'm jealous of all of them. All right. Well, I know. Um, I know. I it's a problem. I, I, I don't care to own a donkey. So. That's because you haven't heard the interview yet. Okay. So oh, okay. Um, right. you might be inspired. Bill, good right. morning. Um, good morning. Head, headlines that you and I are looking at have to do with the cost of everything going up. Yep. So um, I'll just lead with this. There's going to be a fuel surcharge on everything, um, not yep. just Uber rides and you know rides with Lyft, but everything else. Talk with us about what we are not only already experiencing, but can expect to experience as inflation continues to put real pressure on us and now interest rates are rising. Yeah, so you've asked about three or four questions there. First of all, on this on the surcharges, that's an easier way to increase prices than to increase them permanently. Uh, in many uh in many industries, a permanent price increase is a lot of work to change the entire accounting and billing and supply chain systems, the, the ERP software systems that, that they run. I know in, in the business that I run, it's it's really diff- it's just time-consuming to do that, whereas adding a surcharge uh, can be done relatively quickly. Let's also remember that um, <clears throat> you know a week ago, uh, West, West Texas crude, right, which is kind of the benchmark oil here in the United States, was sitting at $130 a barrel. Yesterday, it closed below $95. And so it just seems to me that we need to have a little bit of patience here about uh, the, the the hypeness or the hyperbole that's going on around um, around the cost of gasoline and that kind of thing. Having said that, the 10% uh, 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 inflation rate is real and it's here to stay, I think, for a while. And it's not just because of the war and it's not just because of oil. It, I continue to believe it's because we have too many dollars chasing too few goods uh, in our economy. Uh, I, I continue to go back to the, to the, to the fact that before two, the recession of 2007, we had $1.3 trillion of money in our economy. And today we have over $20 trillion. You can't pump that much money into an economy that didn't grow at a commensurate pace and expect pricing to stay the same. Uh, the value of each of those dollars has to has to decline. It's the value decline 
that causes, uh, in my estimation, the um, the inflation. And so, uh, you know, we're 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 somewhere pre Paul Volcker in nineteen the late nineteen seventies. I, I I don't know if you'll recall, but uh, we had inflation starting to heat up in in the Jimmy Carter years, and Paul Volcker thought we had too much money in the um, in the economy, and he put the brakes on the money supply, and he raised interest rates, and we shot up above twenty percent on our interest rates for a while, and that really hurt a lot of people. We have the potential to do something similar here, if uh, if the Fed does something similar to what Paul Volcker did. Frankly. Um, uh, we are not going to be able to f- solve fiscal problems, which are created by the president and the Congress, with monetary policy, which is what uh, the Feds and and the Treasury focus on. For too long, Congress has hid behind uh, the the Feds and the Treasury and has relied on their, I think, somewhat reckless policies of free money, in order to hide the fact that they are just being irresponsible with the spending that we're doing in this country. All of this is going to come home to roost. It might all come home to roost during a war. I don't know. I hope not. Uh, but um, I think the inflation rate is, is here today. So there. what do you do? Uh, how do you invest uh, for periods of inflation? There's there's a there's a article by Elon Musk, and it echoes Warren Buffett here. Uh, I'm trying to see where – I think it was at uh, – It's a a CNBC.com article. And what he says is don't sit on cash. Make sure it's invested because if you just sit on cash, your cash is going to devalue during inflationary periods. But if you have it invested uh, in either stocks or actual ownership in a a business, then the value of that money will – should reasonably so appreciate at the same rate of of the inflation. And so – that's just an idea. Don't pull your money out of the stock market. Just make sure it's invested wisely. Recession. Anytime we hear the word recession, we all freak out. Um, what does the word recession mean, and are we headed into one? Oh, boy, you're asking me. I don't remember the exact. Well, no, no. Like, what does it mean, you know, for me, slang, like Carmen slang, not like official, you know, oh. definition? Um, what does it mean? It means uh, you're going to have some rocky financial times, no matter who you are, unless you ha- unless you just flush with cash. Um, and if you're flush with cash, then it means that there's some great buying opportunities, either in stocks or real estate or businesses, that kind of thing. Uh, but for the average person like you and me, it means that we need to tighten our belt, and it means that we need to be ready uh, to go without uh, some things yeah. that we normally should would go without. Do not go without tithing or giving to the Lord. Never, ever, ever not give to God. We're going to keep giving to God. Um, God continually pours out his blessings upon us and through us into the lives of others. Um, And perspective is going to be required, not only Mm -hmm. uh, in this day, but in the days ahead. We're going to continue our conversation with Bill English from BibleAndBusiness.com in just a moment. Nobody wants to be my friend. What's a donkey to do? <laughs> oh, that's Eeyore, the donkey, for those of you who didn't know that we were going to be celebrating the donkey today. 
that's funny. Uh, yeah, if you missed the conversation with Patrick Barrett, it's actually worth going back and listening to. Um, and you're definitely going to want to check out the Donkey Sanctuary. Um, yeah, so fun. All right, so Bill English is here from BibleAndBusiness.com. He has no donkeys to provide. But he does have thoughts on um, what happens, Bill, when the world gets confused about, you know, my brand or what I do. Um, and I, I present Dolly Parton as evidence here that some people are super duper clear about who they are and what they're doing, even when the world gets confused. Boy, wasn't this a refreshing story to read? Well, I just like her. Right. So tell people <clears throat> what what, yeah. what happened with Dolly Parton. Well, Dolly Parton removed herself from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame nominations. So she met the criteria. She had an album. You know, her first album was produced before 1996. It was published. She's been very popular. And I think, uh, you know, some other country artists have, have been nominated and accepted the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame award. She chose not to. And I thought it was refreshing because she knows who she is. She's country. She's not rock. And uh, she doesn't really need any more um, awards. She's won plenty of Grammys and, I don't know, Tonys or whatever the E's are out there. And uh, it was just refreshing to see somebody say, no, I, I really don't need that award. And, uh, and I don't fit that award. I'm not the right person for that award. And so I'm going to turn down the nomination. I just I found it very refreshing. Uh, you were looking for CMA award. That was, oh, was the... Yeah, yeah. You, that's what you were looking for. The Academy <laughs> of Country Music Awards gives CMAs. There you go. Which, there you, know, you go. I know, something to know today. So um, she did apparently do a cover of Stairway to Heaven in 2002. And so the people who are rock and roll people say, you know, she did a cover of, um, of one of the greatest rock uh, songs of all time, so they feel like that's um, that's qualification enough. But there you go. Sometimes when we think about our brand and who we are, it's okay for us to say, you know what, I'm um, I'm a Christian. Um, here's what that really means, and I don't fit I don't fit into what you think I ought to be doing or participating in. Like I think this is an opportunity to sort of highlight the distinctiveness of who we are, even when the world gets really confused. Yeah, I totally agree. hundred percent on board with you. Sounds fun. All right. Yeah. Um, I want to talk a little bit about conflicts of interest. This popped up on my radar because I read um, something that NPR posted about Claire, uh, Justice Clarence Thomas, his wife, um, whose name is dun dun dun. Jenny. It's not just Jenny. Is it just Jenny Thomas? Oh, well, that's a what name than that. that's what NPR yeah. has here. Yeah. Yeah. So um, she is um, apparently more controversial than I ever knew or understood. And she gave an interview in which she talks about not having um, a conflict of interest because people can have separate careers. They can have their own ideas. They can have their own opinions. Um, can you talk a little bit about relationships, particularly when people are in business together, which I realize they are not technically in business together, but the the whole notion of the relationships that we have, um, and potential conflicts of interest. Well, there's <clears throat> there's a couple things here. First of all, in dual, what I call dual relationships, where you have a different type of relationship with the same person. Uh, this happens a lot in family businesses between parents and children, where the, the children are the children and the parents are the parents, but at work they're employee-employer. 
That's called a dual relationship. That can lead to a lot of conflict, but I don't know that that's necessarily a conflict of interest. A conflict of interest is where I'm supposed to be looking out for your interests, but my actions to look out for your interests also serve and further my own interests. And sometimes I can do a trade-off there and serve my own interests rather than yours. And that's really where conflicts of interest come in. I think the I think the piece here at NPR, it's called Wife of Justice Thomas Rebutes, uh, Rebuts Claims of Conflict of Interest, is really just a hit piece because – uh, the only way conflicts of interest are generally um, defined, at least in federal statute, is in the financial area. This is why Congress, uh, Congress men and women cannot invest in certain ways and in certain uh, companies, so to speak. And and there is a there's a law in the books that that precludes uh, Supreme Court justices from participating in a case that involves financial conflicts of interest with themselves or close family members. But ideological conflicts of interest have never really been uh, pushed. Uh, you know, you, you, you think back to the Clintons when um, Mrs. Clinton was Secretary of State, and yet they had a nonprofit and were raising tens of millions of dollars from foreign governments whom she was also trying to serve the interests of the United States to. And uh, that was... To my way of thinking, there were clear conflicts of interest there, but you know, America kind of shrugged its shoulders and went on. So, to me, um, uh, having an ideological conflict of interest where you have one as a Supreme Court justice and 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 the wife is an activist, I just think that's Washington. And I think it happens on both sides of the aisle. You know, you have. I, I can point to uh, who was a Bernanke, not not Bernanke, who was head of the Fed, and his wife is Andrea. I forget her last name, but she's a reporter at at NBC, um, and her husband was head of the Fed for a long time. Uh, mm -hmm. Was so, that a conflict of interest? Mm. That's a good question. Andrea Mitchell is the woman you're looking yeah, and, for. Yeah, and Andrea Mitchell and her husband, his last name is not Mitchell. And I can see his face, but I can't think of his name. Uh, but but the time that he was at the Fed, Which she tells also us reported something. on. <laughs> it tells yeah, us something. She, she, I could come up with her name and not his. I know. It's terrible. <laughs> it's right? okay. Oh, spouse. So, Here we go. Uh, Alan Greenspan. Yes, Alan Greenspan. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, and and so when she reported on the Fed, was that a conflict of interest? You know, sometimes you just have to trust people to stay in their swim lane. Amen. Uh, staying in our swim lane this morning, that is uh, what Bill English and I are doing. If you were in a swim lane, what stroke would you be using right now? Oh, good heavens. Um, if I was in a swim lane, what's You're probably the one who the freestyle. brought it up. I, I did. Freestyle. You're right. I did. Freestyle. All right. Bill has been freestyling among us today. I'm that person that likes to lie on their back and move slowly through the water. So it is not a race for me in a swim lane. Just letting you know. My husband so, loves to swim. He's a big advocate. So you find the ceiling interesting. I know. I just like to breathe. I'm in. Yeah, you're laying like, on your I, back. You're looking I at like the ceiling. I like to lie on my back, look at the ceiling, <laughs> and just breathe. There you go. Okay. All right. Hey, thank you, as always, so much. You guys can check in with Bill at BibleAndBusiness.com. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. This is Faith Radio.
Hopefully you are being encouraged today by what you're hearing. Wondering if you might think of someone right now who needs some encouragement in the Lord. Maybe you could be a missionary to them today. It is uh, 316. So this is a good gospel advancing day. It's a great day to share with people the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. I encourage you to encourage others today. Maybe a really simple way to do that would be to share something from MyFaithRadio.com or the Faith Radio app. Just hit the little share button in either of those places and pass it along. Maybe share um, what we're doing at Faith Radio with uh, your friends on social media. Right? You can actually magnify and amplify and multiply what's happening here simply by sharing what we're passing along to you to others. So there you there you go. Be a conduit today of the good things that you're experiencing and hearing um, at MyFaithRadio.com. Lots of uh, people in lots of places in lots of churches that are closing. So thousands of churches actually close every year. The pandemic has accelerated that process um, for some congregations. And so then uh, they have to make the decision, you know, what to do with the building. I'm wondering as you look around your town or your city or your state or as you're visiting other places, have you seen churches converted into, well, let's just say uses that um, maybe are not as as God-glorifying as the people who laid the foundation of those uh, buildings would have imagined? Um, What does it look like to maybe share the building with another ministry or merge with another congregation or invite a new immigrant congregation to take over your facility. I'm wondering what's happening with churches, physical church buildings that are closing near where you are. Can you um, share some of that info with me? You can either text me, 877-933-2484, or if it's easier, just send me an email. Say, hey, this is what's going on with churches that have closed or are closing near me. This is what's happening with their buildings. You can email me, carmen at myfaithradio.com. I feel like it's like a little research project we could do together. Next up, Andrew Fleming is going to join us. He is the vice president of global partnerships at Wycliffe Bible Translators. We love the word of God. We uh, are in the word of God every single day. And we are so blessed to have it in our heart language. Not everybody in the world has the Bible in their heart language. Wycliffe exists to change that reality and put the Bible into into the ear and into the hands of people everywhere. So we're going to talk about that up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Andrew Fleming is joining us now. He's the Vice President of Global Partnerships at Wycliffe Bible Translators. Andrew, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Good morning, Carmen. Thank you. Absolutely. All right. So for those um, people who are listening who might be brand new to Christianity, they might be brand new to, um, you know, listening to programming that is distinctively Christian, and so they don't have any idea what, uh, what and who are the Wycliffe Bible Translators. Yeah, so uh, Wycliffe Bible Translators is actually an organization we're celebrating this year, our 80th 
uh, anniversary, our 80th year anniversary. And um, a number, well, eight, 80 years ago, uh, our founder uh, was actually selling Bibles in uh, Guatemala, and he was spelling, uh, selling Spanish language Bibles. And what he discovered was that many of the individuals who were uh, purchasing the Bibles, or he was, he was attempting to sell them to, actually didn't speak Spanish. And they spoke uh, a, a different uh, language, a language uh, in that case, it was Quechacal. And um, he, he discovered the need not only to have the Bible and maybe a language of wider communication like English or Spanish, but the need to have it in a heart language, a language uh, that you speak uh, in the kitchen, uh, the, the language that's used at uh, weddings and funerals. And so uh, to, to really be able to connect and understand what God is saying and what God is speaking to us individually, we, of course, uh, need to be able to read uh, God's word. So when we think about um, what's going on in the world right now, one of the things many of us uh, have learned is just how distinct and distinctive is the language of the people of Ukraine. Um, And so I think that that has spurred, um, you know, spurred conversation like this heart language conversation is a really, really good one. Uh, I mean, all of us speak with a dialect or an accent. What we're talking about here. Um, is translating the Bible into the heart language of every people group. That is um, a pretty significant challenge. Tell us where where we are in terms of uh, Bible translation and people everywhere having access to the Bible in their heart language. Yeah, so I, I think most people don't realize quite how large it is. There's actually over 7,000 languages uh, that are actively in use around the world. And uh, what's pretty extraordinary is, uh, well, so in uh, 1999, Wycliffe uh, did a survey uh, at the looking at the pace of Bible translation. And it, at that point in time, it was uh, understood that it would take 150 years just to start a Bible translation in every single language of need. And Wycliffe basically committed to, along with its partners, that that, that wasn't uh, acceptable. And, and they committed to seeing that task, a Bible translation, begun in every language of need by the year 2025. I'm excited to say that, that the acceleration from uh, 1999, when that, that survey was taken, until uh, today has been exceptional. Uh, in that, in uh, when that survey was originally taken, you were seeing a Bible translation begun every three weeks, and now we're seeing a Bible translation begun uh, less than every three days, which is uh, something to be celebrated, something to be uh, uh, something for us to to really um, not just. Uh, uh, think about and, and understand what we have done, but but really what God has done and what God has done through partnerships. So currently, um, you've got about, of the 7,000 languages, you have uh, about 2,000 of those languages, which either have a full Bible or a New Testament. You've got about 2,000 uh, languages or so that have um, uh, work begun, actually a little more than 2,000 that have something started. So there's some portion of scripture, but you're still looking about at about 1,800 languages that have uh, no scripture translated yet. And so our goal is to continue to accelerate that process and see those, those uh, remaining needs met. 
you also have to remember we're not just talking about spoken word, but we're we're also looking at the uh, the sign languages as well, and and uh, understanding that you have almost 400 distinct sign languages uh, that translation needs to be done in as well. So it, it's a it's a huge task. It's a god sized task, and it's one that we're actually seeing accelerate uh, at a rapid pace as the church, not just uh, translation organizations such as as Wycliffe, but the church. Uh, globally is really picking up this task and moving this forward. Uh, and it's a it's a pretty, pretty extraordinary thing to see. We're talking with Andrew Fleming from Wycliffe, Wycliffe Bible Translators. Uh, you can find Wycliffe at Wycliffe.org. That's W-Y-C-L-I-F-F-E, Wycliffe.org. Andrew, um, why does Bible translation matter so much to you? I mean, why does it matter that everybody has access to the Bible in their heart language? So I think, uh, Carmen, you've been talking a little bit about uh, today, uh, 3.16. And when we think about uh, John 3.16, and, and we understand the, the uh, simple truth um, that, that God loved the world so much that he sent his son, uh, that that. Uh, concept uh, that he sent his son in order that that we might have everlasting life with him. Uh, that that concept is one that uh, that obviously everybody needs uh, to hear. Everybody needs to understand. I I uh, experienced uh, for the first time when I was a child uh, people without Bible. My my parents took a faith step uh, and took our family to China actually. So I was ten years old. And we went to uh, Hong Kong to smuggle Bibles uh, into China. And uh, it was in that experience where, uh, as a small, as a, as a young child, I saw uh, people without God's Word. And I, and I saw, uh, as we would take these Bibles into safe houses, as we went to uh, underground churches and, and buses on the outskirts of uh, Beijing, I saw people worshiping God uh, but they didn't have Bibles. They had the few Bibles that we brought in, and I saw them uh, tearing pages out of those Bibles and handing them around. And, and actually what would happen is those pages were memorized until they were, and then passed to the next person. So having actual access uh, to God's Word in order to be able to, to take our relationship deeper, to understand uh, what God has said to us is extremely important. If you think of John 3.16, and, and you think, uh, you know, if, if I know a language about 80%, you, you actually have to take out uh, a, a number of, of words. So if 80% of uh, you, you understand a language of 80%, you have to take about eight words out of John 3.16. Uh, and, and the words that you may not understand are, they, are the ones that are more difficult to understand, the more complicated concepts. Uh, if, if you remove those words from, from that single verse, suddenly uh, the verse becomes incomprehensible, even though you maybe have an 80% uh, grasp of a particular language. And so the importance of actually having God's word in a language that you fully and completely understand, one that speaks to your heart, uh, is something that uh, really we, we can't, uh, we, we often take for granted, but we, we can't uh, understate how important that is. Talking with Andrew Fleming from Wycliffe Bible Translators, we're talking about the precious nature of the Word of God. I want you to consider that the Word of God is more precious than gold. We know that from Psalm 19. I want you to consider everything that you know 
from God's word. And then I want you to um, imagine that you heard somebody say it, but you never read it for yourself because it wasn't in a language you could read or understand. Now I want you to think about making that possible. When we come back, we're going to talk with Andrew about how Bible translation has changed over time and how current technology is actually helping further the work of Bible translation all over the world. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio. We're continuing our conversation with Andrew Fleming from Wycliffe Bible Translators. You can find Wycliffe at wycliffe.org. Um, Andrew, I am reading here in the Christian Post that Wycliffe is using breakthrough technologies to expedite the work of Bible translation around the world. SpaceX and Starlink, what is going on? So uh, it's pretty extraordinary, you know, how, how uh, when, when we can take uh, what, what man has produced in order for his own profit and see God Uh, take these technologies and use them for his purposes. So uh, one of the difficult things with translation, as you can imagine, is uh, the many translations that we're doing are are actually in extremely remote places around the world. And it's very difficult for missionaries and translators to be able to upload their work, uh, to to put them into translation databases, uh, to communicate with consultants and exegetical uh, consultants that can help with the Greek and the Hebrew and and so having sort of your Zoom links and your uploads, all those things can be really hard when it's in remote places. And so the low orbit satellite technology that SpaceX and the Starlink is uh, doing actually could be a game changer to give us the connectivity and the bandwidth that we need to be able to accelerate translation. Right now, let me give you an example. We, we have a, a translator who's a uh, a, a translator of the native language in uh, South Asia, Sima. And this is a, a uh, mom who does translation. She lives in a tiny village on the side of a house in a smoky, uh, I'm sorry, on the side of a mountain in a smoky little home uh, where she cooks over an open fire. There's no electricity. She actually charges her computer with uh, solar panels. But when she wants to upload uh, the work that she's done, she actually has to uh, make a, a, a two-hour uh, trek uh, down from uh, her village uh, through the jungle with her with her uh, baby uh, to a small internet cafe that that may or may not have the bandwidth to uh, do a send receive. And so, by having <clears throat> and providing uh, some of these uh, satellite uh, connections, you suddenly are able to speed up uh, the process and, and speed up her ability to be able to uh, not only uh, translate, but get that translation checked for quality and to actually dis- uh, distribute that translation, get it into uh, 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 printers or into uh, onto SIM cards for phones or, or different uh, means of distribution. Um, I just, I'm just, I'm, I'm thinking about the extraordinary way that God is using technology right now. Um, we just talked yesterday with a representative from uh, Global Media Outreach about, you know, how the gospel is is penetrating um, the situation in Ukraine in really significant mm-hmm. ways because, you know, right there on their phone in the darkness of wherever they are, um, as they are 
searching for hope, um, you know, they're finding the gospel. Um, God is reaching out to people in really extraordinary ways. It occurs to me that the next step in all of that is that they would have access to a Bible in their heart language, and then that happens through ministry partners um, like you version. So as you think about, yeah, as you think about over time, ministry partners, um, I, I guess one of the things, Andrew, that I just want to celebrate is it seems to me as if there is real, genuine, kingdom-advancing collaboration going on through, you know, through really significant global ministries like Wycliffe and Uversion and others today. Um, am I accurate in in sensing that? Is my sense right there? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, you know, it, it has been uh, extraordinary to see in the last, I'd say, uh, the last uh, five to 10 years, how organizations have come together and recognized that um, it's truly uh, in our uh, benefit to, to uh, make our efforts uh, easier and, and all of those, you know, to, to reduce sort of the duplication of efforts, to increase efficiencies, that we work in collaboration. But I think we need to remember that it's actually what God has called us to do that we're called actually to be uh, many members, uh, a, a part of one body. And so when we recognize that uh, we have a place, uh, we have a pur- purpose, and that place and that purpose is actually set within the larger body of Christ, suddenly now we're operating not only for our own efficiencies and to reduce duplication and these sorts of things, but, but we're actually operating in the will of God. And we're operating in a way that uh, that brings his favor, and uh, we're we're operating in a way uh, that demonstrates to the world uh, what the body of Christ looks like. Uh, it's it's a pretty extraordinary thing, and in, in being able to uh, work with you uh, version and and some of the other organizations to actually uh, collaborate and create uh, libraries of Bibles and languages. If you go on you version, you go to go to uh, the different uh, languages that you can, you can search. There's, there's over a thousand languages uh, there on Uversion. And many of those also have the audio that's been recorded and, and that's been done in collaboration with Faith Comes by Hearing and other organizations. There's just a, a, an extraordinary network of organizations that are recognizing uh, how God has called us to work and operate and looking for ways to collaborate uh, for his kingdom purposes. I'm so glad you mentioned um, Faith Comes by Hearing. We actually had a, a person who, um, who texted in during our conversation and said, you know, I have such a heart for people um, who, who can't read, right? They, don't, they either don't have a written language, they have only a spoken language, or they are illiterate. And so Faith Comes by Hearing is such an, uh, just such a great ministry as well. Um, yeah. I, I love listening to the Word of God. I love reading the Word of God out loud, and Faith Comes by Hearing is um, such an integral part of all of that. What a delight, Andrew, to have the opportunity to talk with you today. Um, Our prayers upon what Wycliffe is doing and the collaboration that you have with so many other ministries seeking to give people everywhere access to the very Word of God in their heart language so that God then, through His Word, might do the work in their hearts and minds that only he can do. Um, thank you so much for this uh, this conversation today and the work you're doing. Thanks so much, Carmen. God bless. You too. You guys can uh, find more information and connect with Wycliffe at wycliffe.org. 
You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBurge, and this is Faith Radio. I get to spend uh, a fair amount of time with little kids because um, I'm a grandma. And so was talking yesterday with Rebecca, who is the mother of Evelyn and Emma. And Rebecca is in ministry in her local congregation. She's the worship leader. She's also um, very, very involved in the children's ministry because, well, you know, she has children. And so um, she has been talking with the kids in the church about... Jesus, not surprisingly, um, and, you know, preparing for what's coming during Holy Week um, and all the events during what we would call the Passion of the Christ, leading up to and including the death of Jesus upon the cross, and then, yes, three days later, his resurrection from the dead. So in the, in, you know, in the context of all that, she's teaching, she's teaching what the Bible says and, um, and a part of that story, as you will recall, if you have read it in any of the four Gospels, um, you will recall that there was this, you know, story going around um, that the body had been stolen. <laughs> so, you know, after the fact that she's reviewing with them things that they know about the resurrection of Jesus and or about, you know, about the story of Jesus's death and resurrection, um, this comes up that, you know, well, some people stole the body. And she's like, no, 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 that's not. No, no. That was a rumor that was going around at the time, but that's not what happened. So it just reminded me that sometimes not everybody hears everything and not everybody um, gets the point exactly when it's made. So let me encourage you to, um, you know, circle back around and be sure you know the details and be sure you know that that communication cycle has actually been completed. And the way that you know that is by asking the person with whom you think you're communicating to communicate back with you what they think they heard. Yeah. Also important when you're talking with kids, Jesus died once. Jesus died once and rose once for all. Even though we every single year have these conversations about the death of Jesus, um, Jesus died once in real time, in a real place, and he rose once for all. Good reminders today on this Gospel Day 316. Let us be um, extending the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord to everyone we meet today. Have a great day and God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.